welcome everyone tonight. A Shabbat Shalom to you as well, uh, the peace of the Shabbat. We have a very special guest with us tonight. Um, and for those of you who are not familiar with John Robb, he is truly a spiritual father to the Global Family Prayer Room. Uh, John Robb founded the IPC, the International Prayer Connect, um, which, as you know, Jason Hubbard is now overseeing. And for many years, uh, John plowed and established international prayer connections for the body of Messiah that have now just become so vital to everything that Abba and Yeshua are wanting to do in this hour to bring about his end time plans. So we are honored to have you with us tonight, John. And um, I just want to hand it over to you. Please uh, introduce yourself and your ministry focus now and um, anything that's on your heart. Okay. Well, so good to be with all of you. And it's a joy to be introduced by a Jewish rabbi. That's special. My friend, Grant Berry. And uh, just to see that you come from different nations. Uh, the nations have always been on my heart um, for a long time, as you're going to hear. Uh, it's been advertised as a storytelling time. And uh, I love to tell stories. My wife, you know, a lot of times has to shut me up because I want to go on too much. but. It's been just a thrill to go along with the Father God. And I feel very much like this little child. As a matter of fact, I think that's a very um, relevant thought for all of us, lest we think we're so sophisticated. We're really children of the Father. And Jesus said, we're in a dependent relationship with Him. As a matter of fact, apart from from him, we can do, what's the word? Nothing. <laughs> so the sooner we learn that, the better. Um, and I would say that has been uh, one of the conclusions I've come to after decades of, of ministry. I went off to university as a shy fellow from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And at age 18, the Lord called me one night when the Holy Spirit came upon me. And my personality changed. I became so passionate about sharing the gospel with fellow students. And it was called the God Squad. And we, we sought to reach everybody in the university. And then out of that experience, the Lord called me into mission. And I'm now 74. So that's 56 years in ministry that have taken me to over 100 countries, believe it or not in mission and prayer initiatives, but it's all by his grace. It's all by his enabling. I'm just a kid. <laughs> I still am. And he, it's, I'm just amazed at what he will do if we will just let him be God. And we're his body. We're members of his body. Jesus is the head. But he will help us to do all kinds of things. I've been close to death in war zones eight to ten times whether Serbian snipers during the Bosnia War, Khmer Rouge killers in the Democratic Republic of Congo, Rwandan genocidaires, excuse me, Khmer Rouge killers in Cambodia, Rwandan genocidaires in the Democratic Republic of Congo, Al-Qaeda 
and ISIS terrorists and suicide bombers in Pakistan and Afghanistan. And it's, it's just like you're in a bubble of his protection and he's doing it his way, both to bring deliverance when there's war and suffering, as we've seen him many times as, and as I'm going to be giving you some examples of, and also protecting us, us who are involved. And uh, last year I wondered, well, should I retire? And I'm sure a lot of people would wish I, wish I would, uh, but uh, I, I just was thinking about how fulfilling and, and exciting it is to serve Jesus Christ, even as an older dude like me. And I thought of his word, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and accomplish his work. And that's so fulfilling. It's like food to walk with the Lord. And uh, the guy that led me to the Lord, who's now in his 80s, that I reconnected with last year, he said some profound things to me because he's still walking with God himself. He said, you can have as much of God as you want. And I thought, wow, sign me up. Sign me up, Lord, for whatever you want me to do. And another older brother who's in his 80s that I look up to is a man, a great man of prayer. He said, the main thing is to have the ministry of availability. So I want to I want to encourage you, make yourselves available because Jesus Christ is coming soon. Many of us feel it could be around the 2000th anniversary of his first coming, which could be 8030 to 8033, depending on which scholars you talk with. But he's coming soon, and all the signs are pointing to it. Another thing that is, has come forth through these years is the close connection between prayer and mission. And when they are connected closely together, it becomes an unstoppable force, like the great Amazon River of Brazil. And I was actually, um, uh, three years ago, asked to mobilize prayer for a world evangelization movement called the Go Movement. And I was kind of puzzling over it. And on my way to the coffee one morning, the Lord stopped me in my tracks. I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've had that experience at some point, but it comes from outside yourself and he's speaking. And he said this one sentence, as he usually does, the book of Acts culture will lead to the book of Acts breakthroughs. And I thought, wow, that's true. I know that. I know that in my head. And I, I went to Acts 114 where it says they joined constantly together in prayer. And then, as you know, Pentecost happened, the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Thousands upon thousands came to Christ in a few minutes of preaching. After that, power came upon the uh, first disciples. There were divine encounters with Philip going to, to the Ethiopian eunuch, and then the Ethiopians coming to Christ as a nation, many of them. And then, uh, uh, of course, Peter going to Cornelius, then to the Gentiles, the conversion of the greatest apostle, Paul. And they turned the world upside down by that joining constantly together in prayer. Because prayer, as we all, I think, on this call realize, connects us to the one with all power. Uh, some years ago, uh, I was a mission activist. I still am. But I was not really taking prayer seriously enough. I was going all over the world. And uh, I took a retreat because I was so exhausted, and the Lord began to speak to me. And he basically said, get out of my way. 
<laughs> and uh, then he said, I would love you just as much if you were paralyzed lying on a bed. Don't think you're impressing me with all you're trying to do for me. And I thought, oh, wow, I'm in trouble. And then he said, encouragingly, if you make me your senior partner, you will see my wonders. And I said, okay, God. And I came back to my office at World Vision, which is a Christian humanitarian agency I was working with, and everything shifted. And I began to move more into prayer ministry and uh, began to recruit prayer teams. And we went into many difficult areas of the world where our, our World Vision staff were crying out for prayer because they were caught up in war and, and other terrible circumstances of human suffering that were impossible to fix humanly. And that's when we began to learn that we can change history through prayer. And as my friend, the astrophysicist Hugh Ross says, because prayer is extra dimensional in its reach, it must be considered the most powerful capacity God has made available to us. Wow. Because it goes through outside space and time, which was created by God. God is outside space and time. He sees the beginning and the end in the same sequence. And prayer goes beyond all the limitations of our own human existence. And so E.M. Bounds, another um, great man of prayer that many of us have read, says prayer can do anything that God can do. Wow. Isn't that incredible? And when you think of uh, the awesome greatness of the Almighty, that our Milky Way galaxy has 100 billion stars, that the known universe has 100 billion trillion or more stars. And that number of the stars in the known universe is like the grains of sand on all the beaches of the entire world. In other words, get this, you go down to the beach and wherever you live, near the ocean, and you grab one grain of sand, that is our sun in the sky. And you look up and down that beach, and you see all that sand, but then you imagine all the beaches of the entire earth, that's that number, more or less. <laughs> what an incredible thing. And the creator is so much greater than all of his creation. He's the one we are praying to. It ought to cause us to want to take advantage of that access we have to the almighty, to see the history of our world changed. And he gives us this magnificent promise, which he originally gave to Solomon, but still works today, as we have found with our prayer teams in these difficult, actually, yay, impossible situations, where he says, if you will humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your sin, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. And the Jews themselves experienced that in the history of Israel. But we have experienced it, I, I testify to you, in many, many situations around the world. And we have done prayer initiatives with national Christian leaders now in 61 countries. So I'm not just, just uh, exaggerating. I'm telling you the sober truth. In 1995, the first one was in Cambodia. And uh, we got a cry for help from Cambodian 
national Christian leaders who said the Khmer Rouge, that terrorist organization that killed 2 million of the Cambodians in the late 70s, they were still hiding out in the jungle, then coming out and murdering everybody in the villages. They were under a spirit of death. They were servants of a serpent god named Naga who feasted on the blood of the Cambodian people. So they were completely demon controlled and out of their minds. And so they said, could you, John, mobilize prayer? And of course, this was, I was just kind of getting into this and I didn't understand all the ramifications of this kind of praying. But I asked some friends and then uh, through World Vision also, we mobilized thousands to pray. And the first prayer request, as I recall in November of 1994 that we put out was pray the Khmer Rouge would dissolve. Three months later, the front page of the New York Times said, the Khmer Rouge are dissolving. And when I saw that, I said, oh God, you are there and you care and you are answering. And then the Cambodians invited us to do a national prayer initiative. I brought a team of 10 prayer leaders who all knew more than I did about transformational prayer. And I was learning from uh, some of the senior ones who were so extraordinary and so prophetic and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And we saw God move powerfully. And out of that, a national Christian fellowship was formed and other united efforts. And the church exploded. It was only 10,000. And it's now possibly 500,000 or even more. And it's, Cambodia has become one of the most receptive nations to the gospel. Thanks be to God. It's his doing. We went, we went along for the ride, as we usually do, and watched him do his wonders. Bosnia came next, same year. Over a quarter million had been killed. Hundreds of thousands had become refugees through the Civil War. And we met with believers in Mostar and Tuzla. And the Lord did the same thing in both places. He caused the believers to stand in the gap for their people groups. We had all three ethnic groups, the Serbs, the Croats, and those from a Muslim background who are now believers in Jesus. And they asked forgiveness of one another on behalf of their people groups with tears coming down their faces, went and threw their arms around each other. And we knew God was gonna bring healing to Bosnia. And indeed he did within four days, there was a peace proposal by the hardened dictator Milosevic, which nobody could believe. And that brought an end to the war with the Dayton Peace Accords that November. And then the believers took the gospel to every home in the country. Can you say thanks be to God? Again, it was his doing. And we were just kind of astonished at the whole thing. Afghanistan, October 1999, probably the hardest nation on earth. And we had a prayer initiative with Christian humanitarian organizations. And as we felt led to go into the stadium where they would do executions and amputations every Friday, we prayed in that stadium as a team with a Taliban holding their AK-47s around the whole place, being distracted by some of the local believers while we could pray. And we prayed there quietly and with the authority of the Lord. And immediately the executions and amputations stopped as we confess the blood guilt, because they'd murdered many innocent people and women who made the mistake of speaking to a man 
who was not a relative, were shot in the back of the head. Everything we prayed was granted. The Taliban were overthrown. Women's rights were being restored. Children back to school, freedom and development since October 2001. Unfortunately, with the quick withdrawal and sad debacle of American forces leaving last year, we need to pray again for the local believers who are being persecuted inside the country and for breakthrough among the unreached and for the Taliban themselves to come to Christ and be like Saul to Paul. So I hope you'll pray for uh, Afghanistan, but God has done incredible things in that country. Sierra Leone in May of 2000, Fode Sanko was a demonized leader of the rebel movement. And as 1,200 Christian leaders in sheer desperation gathered in the capital of Freetown with our team, they began to pray. After confessing their own involvement in secret societies, they were syncretists, yet they were, they were worshiping God on Sunday and part of these secret societies on Tuesday. And they had to confess this before God and repent, which they did all across the, the auditorium. And then as we, they prayed, the peace process began. And over the next year and a half, 50,000 rebels began handing in their weapons and asking forgiveness. Can you believe this? And the weapons were broken up and made into farm implements. Glory to God, just as the book of Isaiah says happened when God's hand and his peace making comes upon nations. And peace, security, and development return to the nation. And I've continued to be in touch with them from time to time. Thanks be to God. They've, they've built resort hotels on the, on the edge of the ocean there, and, and the prayer movement continues to be vital. Praise God. Mexico's um, United Prayer Network put on a couple of prayer initiatives you know that the drug cartels are terrible. And in 2009 and 2010, millions of believers were marching and praying in the ma major cities of the nation. They invited me to bring a team. And we had the great privilege of, of supporting the Mexicans and were invited to be with uh, the president, Felipe Calderon, in his private residence for lunch twice with other American uh, leaders. And uh, the president said, only through prayer will we be able to win this war against the drug trade and cartels. And I asked him, I said, well, then, Mr. President, how should we pray? He's a brilliant man, but he began to just be so moved in his heart. And he poured out, I remember, seven requests, which we took seriously. And a year later, we came back and I said, how's it going? He said, things are better here. And uh, during that time, um, we began to see God take down cartel leaders. And one of my friends from Arizona uh, uh, deserves most, most of the credit because every couple of weeks, he featured a new drug cartel leader for prayer and gave us information. And we began to focus. And 34 of the 37 most wanted drug lords were either arrested or killed. God brought them down. Juarez, which was the murder capital of the world, according to my friend, Pastor Pancho Murguia, became one of the safest cities as he led a parallel effort during that time. Thanks be to God. 
So out of this, we begin to learn that God requires prayer for the accomplishment of his purpose for the peoples of the earth. In Psalm 280, it says, ask of me and I will make the peoples your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth your possession. And Jesus said there in Matthew 9, he said, pray the Lord of the harvest. And what? He will send forth the workers into his harvest field. So prayer is so crucial. I know you, under, you understand this, otherwise you wouldn't be on this call. But it's, it's even more significant than we even realize as prayer leaders. And we haven't, I don't think, begun to even scratch the surface of what's possible through prayer. Because through authoritative prayer, we reassert our God-given dominion. God gave dominion of the earth to Adam and Eve, not to Satan. Satan is a usurper, the prince of this world, the liar and the murderer from the beginning. But Jesus restored us to that proper position of authority linked to him who sits on the throne, as Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 indicate. And then in Matthew 18, my favorite uh, promise for these prayer initiatives is Matthew 18, where Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever. So it's a universal principle. Whatever and whenever. And if you agree as touching anything you ask of the Father, even two or three of you, it will be done for you, he says. And we have seen this happen over and over again. Even, even just praying with one or two or three of us, God will answer. Of course he will. Wonderful thing about um, prayer is that we can apply it to any situation. And this is a diagram uh, basically describing the different aspects of human life that an old friend of mine prepared years ago. And we can pray into anything, any problems in our city, any issues that come up in our nation or on the other side of the world. So we need to apply this tremendous privilege, this, this prerogative we have through united prayer to bring transformation. One example goes to Calcutta, India, uh, where I've been 10 times, and it happened more in the late 80s and 90s. And I was overcome by the poverty. It was so horrific with people sleeping on the streets. I just wept. I wept. I was broken by it all. But I bonded with the Indian leaders there had the great privilege of being prayed for by Mother Teresa herself uh, in a visit to her place. And she came up and grabbed me by the hands and prayed over me, which was a tremendous privilege to meet her. But later on, these Indian leaders told me, they said, John, we have a terrible problem. And that is governmental corruption here that holds everything back. And they said, you have to pay a bribe for your birth certificate for your marriage certificate. Yes, even for your death certificate, you need to pay a bribe. And they said, we're fed up with it. And so I said, well, you know, why don't you guys just go ahead and, and, uh, and develop a prayer approach to this? And one morning, uh, they decided to, in two by two, walk around the administrative center of the city where these bribes were being paid. And just to quietly agree, and when you do this kind of thing, you do need to do it discreetly, of course, but they did this. They agreed in prayer, kept walking around kind of Jericho wall style, 
You know what God did? Within two weeks, that whole physical structure collapsed. And uh, an honest man was brought in who fired the corrupt people. Can you say thanks be to God <laughs> that he can deal with these things that we are agonizing over in our own countries right now? So intercession, I believe, is the most influential calling. You'd, you're not in the limelight usually when you pray. It's, it's kind of a quiet occupation. True intercessors are humble people. They just have their eyes on God. They don't care whether they get a lot of credit for what they do. And they usually they don't. But one day they will before the Lord himself. And when we pray as intercessors, we're a royal priesthood. We're also watch people on the wall. And it is so crucial that every city and every nation have such people for its well-being. One of my favorite uh, uh, writers about intercession is Walter Wink. And he says this famous line that has been quoted a lot in the prayer movement, history belongs to the intercessors who believe the future into being. And then another uh, man who God used powerfully in the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989, an East German pastor named Schmidt, he says, all over the world, the church is called to cast out demons, not only out of individuals, but also nations. God wants the church to rule, to bind principalities and powers with authority, and to determine the politics of nations. Wow, isn't that an awesome statement? And they saw it happen. I know prayer leaders involved in bringing down the Berlin Wall. It was a prayer story where they agreed in prayer together, these intercessors, and the wall came down, praying on both the east side and the west side, and it happened. So here are a few ways I'd like to suggest to improve our prayer for the world. One is to find a prayer partner. Even two or three believers can unite in prayer and change history. And for more than 30 years, I've had a prayer partner. I'm not uh, praying with him as much now. I pray more with my wife because I had to move away from that city. But the two of us would partner in prayer over the phone, and, and occasionally we still do. And then um, once a week, we'd get together to pray. And we could have filled an encyclopedia. We saw God answer over and over again, and I'm sure you have had similar experiences. But having just one prayer partner is important to do transformational prayer. It's too hard, really, as an individual to maintain it, I found. And uh, unite, it's like uh, the three, three or three together, the threefold cord is not easily broken. And so when you're feeling down or discouraged, you've got your brother or sister to hold you up. Pray as a lifestyle. It should be something that we just do naturally through the day. Um, uh, listening has to be part of prayer. A lot of times in the prayer movement, I find we don't listen enough. We are, we are basically telling God what to do as if he doesn't know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, these preaching prayers really kind of bother me. You know, when we preach to God and tell him uh, exactly how he should solve the problem, instead of just um, bringing it to him and saying, God, would you please help us? That's all he needs, needs from us, really. Let the Spirit pray through you. That's the key to answer prayer. Let the Holy Spirit pray through you and give you how uh, the issues to pray for and how you should pray. 
being childlike, very important. We don't, none of us has a PhD uh, in understanding God. And uh, therefore, we should be simple and heartfelt in the way that we approach him like little kids. He loves that. You know, a lot of times I feel like I'm a little boy sitting on the back seat of the car and the father's driving and saying, look, son, look at this, look at that. And I'm saying, wow, God, that's incredible. Glory to you. It's awesome. Pray through the issues in the newspaper or broadcast news. Stay in touch with the news. Don't get obsessed by it, as a lot of us do. But God can intervene and change headlines, and we've seen him do that many, many times. Uh, we have an international prayer alert for nations in crisis and special prayer initiatives that I uh, coordinate and be delighted to send that to you if you'd like to receive it. There are free video and written resources on transformational prayer on the International Prayer Connect website. So I put that there. If you'd like to access them, they're all free and you're welcome to them. So praying in twos and threes, according to Matthew 17, 21, we um, have our eyes on God and are listening to him and then faith arises. We release that mustard seed of faith. Then we see the breakthroughs happen. Uh, but you have to wait on, we have to wait on the Lord and, and, you know, be listening and then know how together we should pray through that particular issue. I found, uh, having been involved in many, many such initiatives. So we're shifting now from the issue of transformational prayer and the tremendous power and privilege that is to pray to the unfinished task of the Great Commission, which is the unreached peoples. This, I believe, is the thing most on God's heart. This is what Jesus told us to be about uh, before he left the earth. And it will be the thing that determines the timing of his return, he said in Matthew 24, 14. So um, I believe that. Uh, supernatural harvest praying is what we need to move into as the body of Christ during this decade. And that as we do, he's going to raise up gifted, called workers. Matthew 9, 37 to 38, pray the Lord of the harvest, and he will send forth the workers into his harvest. And some of these people will be completely unlikely, like the Apostle Paul was completely uh, his conversion and calling was astonishing to the other disciples and apostles. They couldn't believe it because he was an arch enemy of the gospel. And the Lord is doing the same thing. He's calling jihadis even who become radical followers of Jesus through the prayers of God's people praying for these unreached peoples. And he has given the global church all the resources to accomplish the Great Commission. It's there. We just have to apply those resources. And I believe that prayer is the first item, the first matter. Uh, not only the first, but it goes on. It undergirds the whole thing. And we all need to pray, here I am, Lord, send me, like Isaiah did. And we don't have to be afraid because we're in his hands. And we'll have the time of our lives if we agree to that. He will put things on our plate we could have never imagined, and it will be so thrilling and exciting. We'll be shouting hallelujah as we move forward in life. 
even in our old age. <laughs> uh, and it's the most important thing we can do for our world and its well-being. So I want to suggest a prayer and mission strategy to you, focusing on the neediest unreached peoples. We call them the frontier people groups. There are about 5,000 such people, people groups. They're eth ethno-linguistic peoples defined by their ethnicity and language. But on average, they only have one Jesus follower per 1,000 people. Wow. It's not likely they're going to hear unless we pray and are willing to go. Some of us need to be willing to go. You will call us as we pray. And uh, 290 of these are the most strategic to reach. They're the largest. They're more than a million in population. And we are focusing on them first because it's felt by missiologists on a task, it's called the Unreached Peoples Task Force that I'm part of. And they feel that if movements for Christ begin in these largest ones, they will spill over in a domino effect and impact the rest of the 5,000. That's why we're emphasizing these largest groups. And they tend to be uh, from Northwest Africa through the Middle East and South and Southeast Asia, the great majority of them, especially in India, especially in India has the most of them, but also Bangladesh, Pakistan, that area. Here's another way of looking at it. Um, and so we need to focus our prayers on these crucial people groups in the coming months and years. I think if we ignite an adopt-a-people movement, we will see all of them reached even by 2030 or 2033. I, that's another reason I believe Jesus is coming. Because he said in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed as a witness to all the ethne. That's in the Greek word. It means the ethnic people groups, not political nations, but the ethnic people groups that make them up. And so uh, the Adopt-a-People, Frontier People Group strategy will be crucial to the reaching of them. These people groups have been hidden, neglected for generations. It's time that they get a chance to hear, as that video so movingly described. And I believe that if we can get even a few churches to adopt each one, but we're shooting for 10 churches or prayer groups per frontier people group. That's only about 3,000. We will see through their consistent, specific praying, we will see God raise up workers and we will see movements for Christ birthed in every one of them. That is our goal in the task force. And already the Lord is answering uh, there are 20, in the 2414 Prayer and Mission Network, about 1,800 movements of at least four generation of, uh, generations of disciples have arisen in that 1040 window area that we call uh, that uh, bunch of nations from Northwest Africa through to Southeast Asia. And many of them are led by former Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists who have encountered Christ through dreams and visions, even in the night, and been called to be missionaries. 
That's the power of prayer, because we've already been praying for some years uh, for these unreached peoples. And the secret, one of the leaders told me of this enormous movement, which now includes over 100 million people and is explosive. It, It keeps growing by leaps and bounds. Secret is every one of these movements is prayer originated and dependent. They teach every new disciple that he or she is a disciple maker. They don't wait around and and uh, wait and wait for some some special leading of God. They are just taught from the beginning. You've got to be a disciple maker, and also you need to plant a house church. <laughs> and so they may be a taxi driver, they may be a government official, but their their main identity is as a disciple maker and house. Church planter. So that's that's the secret. Another um, important thing is harness the prayers of children. Children have been part of every major revival. They are usually the ones who get it first. And they are close to the kingdom, Jesus said. So they're more sensitive than we adults. And we have therefore um, sought to incorporate children into all the prayer initiatives that we do where it is possible. And the Lord brought me up short when I was at World Vision in 2004. I was thinking of that passage in in Luke 10, where Jesus said, I've seen Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And he says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy to tread on serpents and scorpions. And I thought, well, yes, that's right. That's, yep, yep, I get that. And then I had usually not seen the linkage. It says, and then he rejoiced greatly. And he said, I thank you, Father. You've revealed this to little children. I thought, what? Bringing Satan down is for little children? That's why I think Satan is so afraid, because the children, the little children, will pray prayers that will bring him down. And so we have seen kids used of the Lord so powerfully in ushering in revival and uh, in causing amazing things to happen in nations. And one of my colleagues in the IPC, um, her name is Candy Marbley, developed this prayer card for children. First part is on spiritual formation. They can pray for themselves. The other part on the back features the 31 largest frontier people groups. And then there's QR codes where they can get more information. And that's being distributed to 2 million children. In this network called the Prayer Covenant for Children, there are now 8 million children, a lot of them in Africa, who go out, they pray first for communities, their own community, other communities, then they go out together and they have led hundreds of thousands of adults and children to the Lord after praying. So unleash the children and you'll be amazed. Give them the microphone to pray in your prayer meetings and and you may be on your face because God will show up. And you'll feel a wave of the Holy Spirit coming in, as we have. Check out the resources on theprayercovenant.org. Just an example of the children's prayers. About 10 years ago, some of us were in Myanmar. And uh, at that time, the military regime was in power. And uh, we were there to help raise up a children's prayer movement. And thousands and thousands of kids began to pray throughout Myanmar. 
And the military regime was was uh, pushed back and Aung San Suu Kyi, the rightful leader, came back into power after the kids prayed. And then, um, unfortunately, last year, there was a coup against her and the same old wicked military regime came back into power. There's a civil war going, very tragic, but thousands upon thousands, I would say hundreds of thousands of Buddhists, Muslims, and Hindus are wanting to know about Jesus. There's a small team of about 20 missionaries trying to manage this enormous interest in the gospel. It's overwhelming, actually. They're so exhausted because people by the thousands, even every day, are asking, come and tell us about Jesus Christ. And Christians have been invited to share in pagoda, Buddhist pagodas, in uh, monasteries with the monks, in Muslim mosques. And I keep thinking back to those thousands of kids that arose in that prayer movement 10 years ago who are now teenagers or young adults. And they are praying, I'm quite sure. And that is why we're seeing this huge harvest in spite of the challenging political situation. So I want to uh, close by asking if you would adopt a frontier people group yourselves. And the book of Revelation says from every nation, tribe, people, and nation, people will be standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's God's heart and purpose for our world. And we can have a part if we will take on one of these FBGs, frontier people groups, and become an advocate or a champion on their behalf. We can become his co-worker to enable them to hear the gospel, and we will see them stand there one day before the Lamb of God and the throne of God in eternity, and we will be there standing among them. Isn't that exciting? So I want to challenge you to choose one of the 290 FPGs with your church or prayer group, and you can get the information and begin to pray at the joshuaproject.net. They're all there. All 5,000 are there, but the 290, you can get the largest ones over a million in size. And if you would take the, we're starting with those first. And if you'd be willing to choose one and begin to pray get, and get others to join with you, and you will find that the Lord is the one who works wonders, as I've been describing. And Psalm 77 says, who displays his power among the peoples. And I was thinking of the Mission Impossible films where uh, the stars, here's, here's the um, the command from his, his, uh, his guide or his uh, commander, your mission, should you choose to accept it? Your mission, our mission, should we choose to accept it? And when you begin to do this, don't ever give up. That's my last word. Here's a frog that is about to get annihilated but it's not giving up, it's choking the crane. <laughs> it's taking the crane out. The crane thinks it's eating the frog, but the frog is choking that crane. And sometimes uh, we will feel that there's a great battle going on. And there is in fact, a great battle. And the devil hates 
people praying for these unreached people groups. He hate, he wants to keep them in darkness and bondage. But we, brothers and sisters, can have a part in setting them free and letting them come to know Jesus Christ and become part of his eternal family. So thank you for listening to me. Um, the Lord has led you to into some amazing strategic intercession throughout the nations. Can you give the beloved here some cautionary advice of how to move in that mode without, uh, without there being severe repercussions? Well, um, I think that we need to avoid being triumphalistic as some, uh, sometimes prayer people can get presumptuous and it is a battle and we do. And, and the evil one is a serpent. He will, he will strike at our backside. He seeks to divide. That's his main strategy. The Bible uh, calls him the diabolos in the Greek, which means the one who separates or divides. He will try to exploit um, teams to divide us. Sometimes we've had people on the teams. When I first started, that they, they were rather flaky and uh, did some strange things that caused problems for us with the authorities. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't go into all of it now, but uh, I learned that you have to know people on the prayer teams. If you're going to have a prayer team and you're going to do this kind of work, especially authoritative prayer, you need to be one in heart. You need to trust each other. Uh, you need to be sure uh, also that you're not uh, taking on things you shouldn't. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so we we do, and God does. He shows up and he leads us. I mean, it's amazing. Sometimes there'll be a dream or a vision of the night or a scripture passage or a local leader that will just come forth and, and say something that is the thing and we all resonate and we know that's the way to go. So just be dependent on the Lord, like small children again, like small children. Don't think you know what you're doing. And even though we, we've done many of these, we always humble ourselves. We go in and say, Lord, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. <laughs> and then he can do something with us. He can lead us by the hand. Um, John, could you give us two or three prayer requests for you and your ministry specifically? Well, thank you very much. Um, I think uh, please pray for this effort, the Unreached People's Task Force, which consists of mission and prayer leaders. And we are reaching out uh, to many prayer movements, to many networks uh, throughout, and church networks, uh, children's ministries, youth ministries, all around the world, based on relationships we, we already have with them, and asking, would you help us to mobilize prayer for each of these frontier people groups? I just feel like God has called me back into this connection of prayer and mission to emphasize that. So that's, I guess that's the first one. Um, I'm also involved in um, the National Prayer Assembly for the United States, and we are hoping to have another National Prayer Assembly uh, this fall. And we want to include Native Americans. Billy Graham in 1975 
gave a word where he said, the native people of North America are like a sleeping giant. When they arise and take their right, rightful leadership place along with the rest of us, there will be a revival that will impact America and the entire world. And David Wilkerson, who's another great man of God that I respect a lot, in 1986, he had a word that there would be a great uh, plague coming upon us, i.e. pandemic. And he said, after that has happened, there will be a third great awakening. Wow. So we, we see these things conjoined. The native peoples arising, which is happening now in a number of places in our country, and I could go into that if you want, but then also tying it in with this, they'll be part of the third great awakening. And we are praying for a great revival. Some of us have been seeing like an atomic blast of revival happening in the center of America's darkness. So would, would you pray for that as well? Um, I guess the, the uh, <laughs> at this point in life, I want, personally, I want to be um, available to the Lord and yet not taking on things I shouldn't. <laughs> I want to do just the things he has for me. And so that I would, I would have the wisdom to uh, when I should say yes and when I sh should say no and be able to focus, concentrate on those things. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. We, uh, we need to talk more about how we can step this up and organize it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good to be with you. Good to be with you too. Lots of love. Lots of love. Thank you.